Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of the All Rise podcast from Front Page Detectives. I'm Alex Lang, Editor-in-Chief, and I'm joined by... Doug Montero. One of our favorite reporters and helpers, outers, here at Front Page Detectives. Helper outer. Helper outer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Doug, uh, we got some news that's been happening here in recent weeks that we got to talk about. One of them includes some work we do here at FPD. Another one is kind of a case that left a lot of people shocked on how it was resolved. Um, both are important. Both we need to talk about. But let's let's talk about a uh, feature we do here at Front Page Detectives. Um, it's actually uh, kind of two features we do. Occasionally, on the web page, we feature stories of cold cases, of missing people, of unsolved homicides, everything and anything that police haven't uh, solved yet. You mean the type of cases that they get on the news and then they disappear to be forgotten forever? Correct. Kind of those, uh, you know, uh, 5, 10, 15, 20-year cases that people have forgotten about. Um, a lot of them drew a lot of media attention early on, but as time goes by, they kind of fall to the background. Um, we try to highlight some of those cases, bring some attention to them, maybe even get a few solved. Uh, The reason we're talking about this is uh, recently police made an arrest in a cold case we wrote about about a year ago. I'm not saying we helped solve it, but we did bring some light to it, and then magically months later it's solved. Draw your own conclusions there. Um, It's a case out of West Virginia involving James Johansson. Uh, I know West Virginia well. I lived and worked there for about a decade. I know how rural it is. I know how sparsely populated it is. People can go missing, um, but it's pretty rare they go missing for a lot of years. But that's what Mr. Johansson did. He actually went missing going to pick up a car in Ohio, a bordering state to West Virginia. He was selling his car. He sold his car, and he was going to go pick up his new one in Ohio. Correct. Um, and just kind of never, never came back, never appeared again. Police obviously investigated right away, never figured out what happened, um, and the case went cold. And this is uh, in uh, June of 2007. Yeah. He yep. A little bit a little bit older, a little bit before my time there, out of Lewisburg, um, West Virginia. But he goes missing, and the, the story's just up on the state police's cold case page there for a little bit. Um, about a year ago, we featured it on Front Page Detectives just to kind of highlight his story um, and the hunt to find out what happened to him. And then randomly, um, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, police said they arrested a suspect in Texas in connection to the case. Um, Doug, do you have his name handy? Yeah, the guy's name is Charles Michael Kaysen Kessinger. He's 38 years old, and they picked him up down in Texas. They arrested him around October, and they extradited the guy, uh, brought him back to West Virginia, And uh, November the 10th, the judge ordered that he be held without bail. But here's the thing. He was the guy that Johansson was supposed to meet to sell the car. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me given the details of the case. He was last seen going to sell this car and was meeting a person and and everything else. Um, I guess police just didn't have enough information to tie him to it or enough evidence um until 15 years later but but they did it um it kind of caught me when i saw the story uh break 
um, because I recognized the photo um, from our coverage. It was like, wait, didn't we write about this? And then you realize not only did we write about it, but they but they had solved it and made an arrest in the case. Yeah, and the thing is, is um, he vanished in 2007, but his body wasn't recovered until 2021, last year. Yep, a lot of years later. And they, they find his remains, and it moves from a missing person case into the unsolved homicide. Correct. And you know what they don't say is how he was murdered, whether he was shot or anything like that. They haven't, but as we've talked about before, sometimes that information's withheld for investigative or uh, for trial purposes. Um, you know, maybe to maybe to trap the killer or accused killer during questioning. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, I had an opportunity to talk to a guy named Patrick L. McMillian, uh, a friend of uh, Johansson, uh, who told me that part of the problem with the case. Alex, was that Johansson didn't have any family in Lewisburg, West Virginia. So he had friends, or what he called them as peripheral friends, right? Sure. But, but the thing is, when he vanished, nobody really seemed to realize he was gone. They just figured, hey, he took off, you know, and that was the end of that. You know, it, it wasn't like there was any any loved one. Uh, that was hanging around um, and, he, and he told me he says you know that was quote that was part of the problem that when he went missing here there was no family here to be an advocate that could constantly press things that would have dis- uh, that would have maybe perhaps discovered him sooner yeah I mean that's the sad thing with a lot of these unsolved cases right there the, there's a lack of family or close friends to kind of push for information or keep um, the person's name in the spotlight, you know, maybe do those uh, anniversary stories we see so often uh, five years later, 10 years later, six years later, whatever it is. Um, I've done a lot of those in my career. I'm sure you have too, Doug. Um, and it sounds like this case just didn't have that almost advocate for it to help keep it in the spotlight and maybe put some pressure to get some answers. Um, and that's really unfortunate. Um, well, he didn't have anybody super close. He He and anybody who was semi-close to him, deserved some answers on what happened. Exactly. And uh, Johansson uh, supposedly was a avid bicyclist. He liked riding motorcycles. And he was a photographer, did some media work. So he was a newspaper man, kind of like us, you know? Yep. But um, other than that, he didn't really have any sort of a long-lasting relationship with anybody over there that would be concerned enough to uh, be hounding the police department to, to find out what's going on. You know, which which kind of brings up another issue with me is, you know, it must be really difficult for cops or police officers to work on missing persons cases because, you, you know, especially if you have the families, you know, constantly calling you up, asking for questions, and when you don't, can't, and you can't give them an answer, I mean, it's a, it's a rather heartbreaking thing. And then with all the missing people that they have, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would ever want to become a police officer working on missing persons cases. That's a hard job. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, I mean, you got to pour through the same information, re-interview people, kind of keep plugging away and just hope for almost a lucky break, right? Whether it's a tip, whether it's a new DNA testing, whether it's just something to help crack the case. I mean, um, when when they do, it's a huge relief for police, for families to get those answers 
but a lot of it is slamming your head against the wall, I would imagine. Um, and it takes a certain personality to be able to do that constantly um, and keep coming to work every day and plugging away at these, knowing you might hit the wall uh, some other detective did 10 years earlier. Um, but it's worth another look. It's worth another crack to see if you can um, help out some victims' families. Yeah, and, and um, you know, I, I figured I should let you know that uh, I, I heard over the weekend that, you know, one of my uh, uh, grandnieces uh, uh, disappeared and took off. Uh, um, and she was missing for like two, two weeks and stuff and drove everybody crazy. Then they found her somewhere hanging out, and I just want to, you know, knock her in the head. But, you know, that's not my job, since she's, she's pretty far removed. If it was my daughter, it'd be a whole different matter. Well, uh, good thing she was uh, found. Uh, I'm happy for your family. They at least know where she is and have answers. The good thing is that's a lot, how a lot of cases go. The person's found in, what, days at most a couple weeks. Uh, unfortunately, like Mr. Johansson, though, there are a few outliers that take 15 years for answers. Okay. All right, everybody, we have to take a quick break here at the All Rise podcast from Front Page Detectives. We'll be right back. Silky, smooth, sustainable. So much more than soap. Purple Swan is the nourishing, exfoliating soap your body needs at prices that your wallet will love. Try the relaxing oak lavender, soothing vanilla coconut, or refreshing sweet lily, all made from organic essential oils with a loofah right inside. Subscribe now for even better savings at purpleswanshop.com. Vaping is so 2015. If you're craving the calming release of CBD aromatherapy, try Lou instead. With a sleek design, lab-tested product, and delicious aroma, Lou fits perfectly in your life and your pocket. Best of all, it won't torch your lungs with chemicals. Pick up a starter kit to sample all of our great flavors or buy individual packs of pineapple, peach, orange, mocha, and more. It's all waiting for you at GetMyLou.com. That's GetMyLou.com. Lou. Satisfaction begins here. Hey everybody, welcome back. The reason uh, you hear this tone of mine over here is because I'm going to be telling you a little story uh, about this lady out in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, she kind of pisses me off a little bit. But, you know, you be the judge. Her name is Katie Quackenbush. Am I pronouncing that right, Alex? I mean, I don't want to be, you know, be accused of, uh, of mispronouncing her name because I want to make fun of her. Yeah, that's how I pronounced it and read it when the news of her and her sentence broke recently. Quackenbush. Uh, Quackenbush, yep. And Miss Quackenbush uh, got quite the few headlines um, for not only her crime, but how she was punished for it. This 32-year-old mother of four who originally hails from... Uh, Texas, was hanging out, having a good old time in Memphis, Tennessee, in an area called Music Row, which is, I guess, where all the bars and everything happens, right? That was my assumption when I heard Music Row. I didn't think it was like Skid Row. Um, music Row seemed like a very popular um, area uh, for tourists and locals alike. Yeah, a and she was doing all this hanging out in a Porsche. I imagine it's a red Porsche, but I really don't know what color it was. But let's just assume it was a red Porsche. Doug's still from the 80s, everybody. He believes every Porsche is red. Yes, red. Okay, 
So, all right, everybody, just imagine that it's a damn red Porsche. All right, so she's she's hanging out in her Porsche, and she pulls over for some reason, and uh, she's uh, supposedly blaring some music. Uh, the engine is on, and it happens to wake up a homeless man by the name of Gerald Douglas Melton. Yes, he has my name, but, you know, that's not the reason why I'm sticking up for him and going after Miss Quackenbush over here. So, uh, Mr. Melton goes and asks Mrs. Quackenbush to lower the music and to move her car because the exhaust fumes was going straight into his face. I mean, it seems like a reasonable request if you're sleeping on the street and a car in front of you is blaring music. Uh, yes. Just saying, hey, you mind moving a little bit? I don't think he told her to get out, and there was no indication there was any sort of strong words. He just, like any tenant almost, would ask somebody with loud music to tone it down. Um, he did the same. Yeah, so Ms. Quackenbush, for whatever reason decided to plug him, shoot him in the abdomen for apparently bothering her or just telling her what to do, right? Yeah. I mean, and he was shot as he was walking away yeah. from her after asking her to move and apparently moving on himself or her refusal, whatever. He started walking away, and she decides to shoot him, um, seemingly for making that request. Yeah. And now... Uh, as opposed to calling the police or calling an ambulance or, you know, doing the right thing as a citizen, right? Uh, or even just fleeing back to your home or hotel. No, no, Miss Quackenbush took it a step further. She decided to go eat at Taco Bell with her friends. As one would do after you shoot a homeless man who asked you to move your car. A Taco Bell? I mean, maybe, I mean, wouldn't she want to go somewhere a little higher higher up, like Chick-fil-A or something like that? Or Wasn't it like 3 o'clock in the morning? How much is open uh, near Music Row Okay, at, you're right. at 3 a.m.? I think Taco Bell, maybe a Waffle House were probably her only options. Yeah. Well, he, here's where things get a lot more interesting, folks. So Miss Quackenbush disappears, takes off, and then she decides to call... Dear old daddy, daddy, I did something wrong. And her dad happens to be some white shoe attorney down in Texas who basically arranges for his daughter to surrender to the authorities in Memphis. And she's charged with Alex attempted murder, attempted murder, and I think a couple other counts, but attempted murder is the big one in this case. And finally, she gets indicted and charged, no, hey, attempted first-degree murder and aggravated assault with a weapon. That's a lot. Yeah, right? those are significant charges in any community. Well, it turned out that uh, the jury found Quackenbush guilty of a lesser charge of reckless endangerment, which is a misdemeanor, because it turns out she claimed that she, was, she shot Doug Melton out of self-defense. What do you think, buddy? Uh, I think my emotion comes up in the next part. Um, reckless, uh, what was it? Reckless endangerment um, as a misdemeanor is only punishable by up to a year in jail. Um, so you go from potential prison time and significant prison time on a, an attempted murder charge to 
seemingly a slap on the wrist with a misdemeanor uh, conviction, very limited jail time, and it just kind of creates that aura of privilege. Um, but the judge went a step further in this case, as Miss Quackenbush wasn't even sentenced to jail time. Um, she was sentenced to probation and unsupervised probation back in her Texas home. Unsupervised probation, for those who don't know, doesn't involve any sort of check-in. It's basically just don't commit other crimes, which you should do, be doing anyways. It's basically just a, a no punishment um, kind of thing. I guess if she's ever arrested again, they could um, bring down a stronger sentence in this case. But but really, it's a, a no punishment despite the uh, conviction in this one. So for shooting a man who seemingly just asked for her to move the car, um, she basically gets off without any sort of real punishment. And Alex, doesn't that get your quackenbush in an uproar now? Come on. It does. I mean... Now, Alex, hold on a minute. I want to interrupt you. You're, you're the voice of calm and reason here, okay? But come on. I want you to really kind of just let it out, baby. Come on. Just really get into how you feel about this. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it creates that feeling of privilege of she got special treatment this case could have been a lot worse if she hit him differently when she shot him right hits him in the head hits him in the heart he's he's dead and the result would have been much different and for whatever reason i didn't see the evidence at trial but she's just convicted of this minor case basically gets no punishment i mean it just doesn't seem to fit the crime where a man was basically shot for no reason or being entirely reasonable um, and she gets to go back home with her kids. No real restrictions, such as, you know, being a felon where you can't vote or can't have a gun. None of that's in play here. She basically shoots a guy and gets away with it. Um, and for me and a lot of people, that just rubs you the wrong way. You would like some sort of punishment. You know, even something like 60 days in jail. For somebody with a Porsche, I imagine that's not going to be the easiest time to kind of realize what she did and for lack of a better phrase, and for punishing her um, for her crime. But in this case, her punishment is basically go live your life. Um, and to me, that seems a little short. Well, let's kind of flip this whole thing around now. You know, what if somebody would have shot her? What if it was, you know, what if the shooter was a, was a black person shooting a white person? Or, oh, and just so everybody knows, Miss Quackenbush and Mr. Melton are both white, okay? But what I'm trying to get at is I believe that if the financial circumstances of the shooter and the financial circumstances of the victim were not put into play in this situation, that the outcome of this entire case would have been completely different. Now, the other thing that sort of pisses me off about this whole case is that Miss Quackenbush has been arrested twice before. She had a record. And her record was for being an idiot. She's been arrested for domestic cases, domestic violence. Supposedly, she allegedly you know, attacked uh, uh, hit a woman over the head with her drinking, with her drinking glass. So it seems like uh, Miss Quackenbush has a little bit of a quick temper. It does. And, you know, the fact she has a history um, and continue and continued to break the law uh, seems to show maybe some disregard 
uh, for the rules of society, the rules we all live by. Um, and yet she keeps kind of getting away with, with these crimes or these allegations without too much punishment. Um, for a lot of people, you reach a point where it's clear you no longer want to follow the law and we need to punish you. So maybe you get the picture that you can't keep breaking the law and getting away with it. In this case, you shot a guy. You could have killed a guy over basically loud music. Um, maybe you need some time to kind of hit pause and think about where your life is and trying to get that temper under control and to realize uh, what is going on and that you cannot always get away with it just because of uh, seemingly privilege. Daddy, um, listen, that was very well put, Alex. I appreciate your calmness and everything like that, right? But one of us has to be the calm one here, Doug. Damn it. All right. So, but, but here's the thing. I bet you, I bet you 25 cents that we're going to be writing about this lady, Miss Quackenbush, again. It, it wouldn't surprise me. You hope maybe this one was the wake-up call, but given her past and the fact there's no real punishment, um, what incentive is there to kind of change or to turn your life around or to stop this behavior? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm going to do like a Johnny Carson, uh, Mr. Kreskin over here, but I see road rage event in her future involving this uh, legal gun that she carries. However, I spoke to Lori Green. She is the founder of the South Alliance for, the, for People and Animal Welfare in Memphis. That's a good title. Yeah, it's long. Um, big business card. Really yeah. big business yes, card. Yes, yes. And um, she spoke exclusively to Front Page Detectives uh, because she knew or knows uh, Mr. Melton, the victim over here, uh, said basically that Mr. Melton is a songwriter and singer who liked to hang around Music Row because he liked hanging around the music, Right. A big bear of a man, very tall. Uh, sometimes uh, 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 Mr. Melton, you know, could could be a little uh, 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 gruff when he talks to people, but other than that, absolutely harmless. And she was absolutely annoyed at the verdict, um, and she told me, "Quote: So she got probation. Wow, for shooting a man." End quote. Then she adds, I think it is ridiculous. I think it's appalling. I hope she was fine because if she wasn't fine, she just got off. Gee, don't shoot anybody again unless you have to, unless you're afraid, unless your white elitist state is threatened. But you know money talks, and money got her out of it. I think it's wrong that she is not completely ashamed of herself. If she, if she could look at herself in the mirror, she has no soul, end quote. I mean, I think that's probably how a lot of people feel. Um, I think it's entirely reasonable. Um, everything from the privilege to the, you know, just lack of punishment. Um, it just kind of it boggles my mind, the unsupervised probation aspect of this. Um, that's basically no probation. Um, we couldn't even just do supervise, which would limit alcohol, which would limit her ability to be around other potential criminals, which would just kind of 
give her a check-in and everything to, you know, at least put some seriousness on this. Um, but the fact Miss Quackenbush was just just told to go back to Texas, basically, just doesn't sit right with me and a lot of other people. Yeah, and Lori Green basically said that, you know, I mean, aside from Miss Quackenbush and, and her uh, her trigger finger, Miss Green feels that the sentence is an indication of how society feels and treats homeless people as if they have no value. I mean, that's entirely... Uh, uh I can get along with that point. I mean, it certainly seems like this. Imagine if you got in a fight with your neighbor over loud music and then shot them. Um, would you be given unsupervised probation? I think in a lot of communities, in a lot of cases, the answer would be no. Um, you might get probation with no history, um, but you would have check-ins and everything else. The fact Mr. Melton is homeless and the, the shooter gets away with this kind of punishment um, really does kind of devalue his life. Even though, you know, he, he's a human, sure, he's homeless, um, but his life has value, too. Um, and, and the fact she gets away with it takes away from who he was and um, the imprint he probably left on a lot of people. Speaking of Miss Quackenbush, when I was making phone calls on this story, I, I remembered that there is another Quackenbush case going on in, in the U.S., Really? Same whole name and everything? No, no. Oh, okay. this, No, this this knucklehead has a very simple name. Daniel Campbell Quackenbush. No, I'm only joking. No, his name is Daniel Campbell. He's an 18-year... No, his name is Daniel Campbell. He's a 20-year-old rich kid from out in Long Island in a place called Amagansett. And not the coach of the Detroit Lions, also Dan Campbell. Exactly. Now, this kid is just some some regular rich kid. His family owns some fancy-schmancy clothing store out in, the, in in Long Island, you know, in the rich part of Long Island where you and I don't go, right, Alex? Um, I, it sounds more like maybe you're not invited or uh, have oh. been told to leave there given the hostility in your voice, Doug. That is true, yes, yes. I don't think, I think they, they, there's a sign that says no, no dug allowed. But, now, however, now what, what was happening was Daniel Campbell, he's 20 years old now, uh, hanging out in the summer. This is in August of 2021, so he's hanging out. He's, uh, he's with a, a couple of females in the car, and he's driving down the road. I don't know if he was going fast or slow, but he was driving down the road, and whammo, he crashes into an 18-year-old college freshman NYU student who goes by the name of Davish Santini who basically died on the scene San, uh, Santini Sam Tini was walking down the road with his cousin when Daniel Campbell and his vehicle just slams into the boy and as he lay there dying and his cousin is there just standing over him screaming and hollering over the fate of his cousin this Campbell boy keeps driving and he goes home he doesn't go to Taco Bell because I don't think Taco Bell is allowed to go to Amagansett but the kid goes home long story short Daniel Campbell was going to plea 
to fleeing the scene of a crime, of a, of a, of a crash mm-hmm. that resulted in death. And according to this plea deal that was worked out out in Amagansett or in Suffolk County, Long Island, um, the judge was going to sentence him to probation. Could you believe that crap, Alex? I mean, given what we just talked about with Miss Quackenbush, it's a, it certainly seems like another, another case of privilege going on out here on Long Island um, where a well-to-do young man uh, is going to escape any real punishment, um, in this case, for killing a person um, just because of his background. Well, here, here's the thing. They were going to basically give him probation however the mail online did some research on this kid and it turned out that he had two prior driving incidents involving speed reckless behavior driving down the wrong way things of that nature and it turns out that the judge and the DA didn't know about it. What do you think about them apples? Um, I'm a little confused how they didn't know, uh, especially the DA's office. I get maybe how the judge is in the dark. Nobody told them. They're not going to go kind of look that up on, the, on their own usually. Um, but how does a prosecutor not have somebody's criminal background? That's what I mean. It, and the thing is, it wasn't like the criminal background or the, the reckless driving that this kid had, you know, occurred in, 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 in Thailand. It, it, you know, the, these are these are incidents that occurred in the same state, in New York State. Yep. So how is it possible? It smells like a quackenbush to me. <laughs> right. So what happened was when the young man's family, Sam, Samtini's family, found out that they were going to give this kid probation, no jail time. They actually had to, this poor family actually had to go out and hire an attorney, Ben Brofman. Now, I don't know if you know who Ben Brofman is. I do not. Ben Brofman is one of those old school New York New York City attorneys that he's been around the block a million times and he knows anybody. So whenever you want something done, you call Ben Brofman. So... Ben Brofman goes and he starts talking to the judge and he goes, hey, judge, you know, you, you're going to give this kid a, a, a wrist slap over here. And, you know, I mean, he has two priors. I mean, it just it just is not going to look good. And the judge all of a sudden goes, oh, well, uh, you know, I didn't know. And then when they go to the Suffolk County D.A., oh, hey, we didn't know either. It's like, you know, where these, you know, what kind of guys are these people that work out in Suffolk County? So it seems that through the pressures of media exposure, the judge sentenced uh, Mr. Campbell to 90 days in the county jail. At least he got locked up for a little bit, unlike uh, Miss Quackenbush. Uh, there was some punishment uh, for his crime, um, which seemingly is worse, right? He, he killed a guy. Um, at least he'll be spending, why 90 days may not seem appropriate to a lot of people, he'll at least be spending some time in lockup away from his old life, we'll say. Um, I'm sure prison garb and um, prison food isn't isn't as great as what he's used to. Um, maybe it'll give him that that wake up call we talked about with Miss Quackenbush um, to kind of get get your life in order, um, to quit flaunting your nose at the law, um, 
and to and to serve some justice um, for this victim's family here. And do you remember that case out of Texas? The privileged kid, he ran over, he was driving and he ran over some people and he said he was too rich, too, too privileged. Uh, the, the, I remember uh, a lot of privileged cases. Uh, we had the Stanford sexual assault. We had, we had a host of them. Um, that one doesn't particularly come to my mind. But, yeah, it, there, there's a whole stack of them out there. Well, I, there, there's a new defense, ladies and gentlemen. There is a new defense out there, and I, and I plan on using it one day if I ever get myself into some sort of a trouble. Which is? Well, according to the defense attorney for Mr. Campbell, he has a problem making rational decisions because of all the concussions that he suffered playing high school sports. So it's called the concussion defense. I mean, I got at least one from that. Um, will that get me out of, like, knocking you around a little bit on occasion? I have an idea. Let's go to Suffolk County. <laughs> you could run me over, and I guarantee you, you say, hey, hey, this guy got the concussion defense, and I'm pretty sure that those mopes out there will set you free, baby. I'm pretty sure I don't even have to use that if they just realize it's you. Uh, they'll just be like, you're fine. Keep going. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You've done a service for humanity. All right, everybody, I think that's all time we have for today. Um, thank you for joining us uh, for today's uh, All Rise podcast from Front Page Detectives. And remember, folks, if you want us to feature your story or the story of your loved one, please do not hesitate to communicate with Alex at Front Page Detectives. What's your email, Alex? Editor at frontpagedetectives.com. Thank you.